All right, let me hear you. You love the Word of God? <laughs> I want to share with you from a passage of Scripture that I really love. The Bible's all good. Can I get an amen? amen? But this one has been really good for me, really good for me lately, um, even in this week. So it's in the New Testament book of Philippians. And I want to share with you a pretty big chunk of Scripture uh, and give you a message today. Now, if you feel stuck... In a situation that you didn't choose, this is for you this morning. And if there's some things in an area of your life that are outside of your control, there are two dynamics of faith in this passage that I think bring great freedom. And it's my privilege to share them today. I'm excited to be back. I actually had prepared this message a couple Sundays ago, and, and I fell ill. My son was ill, and I stayed home, and then Pastor Patricia brought the word and uh, I was at camp last week and so Pastor Deanna brought the word. Praise God for the word of God being brought through the, the church family. I love it. Um, so now's, now's my shot. I'm going to give it a go. Um, <laughs> but we're going to go to the Apostle Paul who in his great ministry exemplifies great faith for us. So we're going to look at how he approached this subject in Philippians 1.12. He's writing to a church that he loves that he actually started many years before uh, that he wrote this letter. Um, would you just, would you, we're going to stand, be standing for a little bit. Would you stand with me as we read God's word this morning? It says the following. Brace yourselves. <laughs> right. Philippians 1 verse 12. I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me is not hindered, but help my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. For now, the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God, all because of my chains. It's true that there are some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy, for they are jealous over the way God has used me. Many others have pure motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts because they know I've been destined for the purpose of defending the revelation of God. Those who preach Christ with ambition and competition are insincere. They just want to add to the hardships of my imprisonment. And imprisonment. Yet in spite of all this, I am overjoyed. For what does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? If they preach him with mixed motives or with genuine love, the message of Christ is still being preached and I will continue to rejoice because I know that the lavish supply of the spirit of Jesus, the anointed one, and your intercession for me will bring about my deliverance. So no matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that he will openly uh, be revealed through me before everyone's eyes. So I will not be ashamed in my life or in my death. Christ will be magnified in me. My true life is the anointed one, and dying means gaining more of him. I know I need to stop and preach, but this is so good, so I'm going to keep on going just a little bit, okay? Verse 22. So here's my dilemma. Each day I live means bearing more fruit in my ministry, yet I fervently long to be liberated from this body and join fully to Christ. That would suit me fine, but the greatest advantage to you would be that I remain alive. So you can see why I'm torn between the two. I don't know which I prefer. 
Yet deep in my heart, I'm confident that I will be spared so I can add to your joy and further strengthen and mature your faith. When I am free to come to you, my deliverance will give you a reason to boast even more in Jesus Christ. Whatever happens, keep living your lives based on the reality of the gospel of Christ, which reveals him to others. Then when I come to you or hear good reports from you, I know that you stand united in one spirit and one passion, celebrating together as conquerors in the faith of the gospel. And then you will never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises up against us, for your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God of their coming destruction that you have found a new life. For God has graciously given you the privilege not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer for him. For you have been called by him to endure the conflict in the same way that I have endured it. For you know that I am not giving up. Father God, I just pray this morning that you would give us a tenacity and a boldness to not give up in difficult situations, Lord, wherever we're at. Um, Lord, that uh, you would be a Lord and you would show us uh, your truth. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So, I need your help. Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm not a hostage. You didn't say it with enough attitude uh, so they don't believe you. Look at the other person <laughs> that's on the other side who you really wanted to talk to. There we go. Say it with some conviction. All right. So look, it's important that we get this right because Paul in this stage of, of life, I need you to understand he has reached a level of progress that he no longer cares what you think about him. You know some people like that, they've kind of reached that age where they just, so he just, he's just really speaking in an unfiltered way. And, and he's a little bit older now and he's been through some things and he's kind of got some senior swag going on in Philippians chapter one because by this point he's like, hey look, I've figured some things out. I've gone through some stuff and actually he's writing to some people who are wondering how it's going for him. And uh, I think you might find this interesting that this book of Philippians is considered by many scholars to be the happiest book in the Bible. And he's writing it from a prison cell. He's writing it from a prison cell. So it must mean that Paul knows something about the kind of faith that's not dependent upon your situation. Can I get an amen there? <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I like this message. <laughs> but the reason I think that is because he says in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, about what happened to me. He says that, but then he doesn't say anything about what happened to him. He, you know, I was confused by that because he gives no details to how the prison food is or, or you know, how his living quarters are arranged or how the guards are treating him. And, and really, he gives them no expectation of when he might get out and come and see them again. And they're worried about this. Because Paul at this time is very important to the progress of the gospel. And he's, Paul is the one who is kind of carrying this message in a unique way that only, you know, he can do with his giftings and his abilities. And while he's in prison, the gospel isn't going out with the velocity that it once was. So they're concerned. And they, you know, they shut down his Instagram account. He wasn't doing the live streams anymore on Facebook. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not good. But he says, no, actually, everybody say, actually. Actually, it's, so in it's an interesting word because he says, in essence, what has happened to me is actually served to advance the gospel. And, and the, the word that's used here 
isn't a word that means to move along easily like we often expect the, the will of God to move along. It's the word that actually means to move forward and to make progress in spite of severe opposition. So what he's saying is, I could spend a whole letter telling you about what happened to me, or, and this is what I choose, I could spend the rest of this letter telling you how what happened to me is moving the purpose of God forward. And so he does that. I would rather focus on what God is doing through me in this situation than what's happening to me. Focus on what God is doing through you instead of what's happening to you. So here's the issue. We want to spend all of our time telling people what's happening to us. Anybody? And it seems to me that many of us orient most of our, our prayer around God changing our situation, right? Oh, God, get me out of this, please. And, but what if God is more interested in changing you than changing the situation? Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you've been asking God to change your situation when he wants to use the situation to change you. Oh, I mean, Paul is like, it would be cool to get out of this prison, but while I'm here, God's got some stuff for me to do. Isn't that kind of what you heard when, you're, when we're reading through that? God's got some stuff for me to do while I'm in here, so I'm not worried about that. So this is an interpretation that requires faith to look at what you're going through and know that it's, uh, it's about more than what you feel in the moment. And, and in fact, sometimes God will use the very situations that we would so quickly pray away to do the things that can only be done in situations that we would not choose. I heard a story about a lady one time who didn't have any food in her house. She was a woman of great faith, and so she went outside one day, and uh, she was singing and worshiping God. She was very poor, but she had great faith and her attitude was great. And so she was singing, I've got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. And she was, she was singing it. And you, you know, I've got a feeling. She was singing it out. And her neighbor, she had a neighbor who was an atheist who overheard her song. And he hated God. And he hated the idea that she had of God. So her atheist neighbor thought this would be a good opportunity to prove to her that her God did not exist. So he went to the grocery store, bought three bags of groceries, dropped them off on her doorstep, and knocked on her door. He went to hide and watch her reaction. And when she saw the groceries, she saw the groceries, she got happy. She's like, God did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's doing, she's doing her Holy Ghost dance. God did it. Over and over again, she kept on saying, God did it. And so she's so excited. Have you, ever, have you ever had God do something for you that only he could do? And then when he did it, you didn't care what anybody thought about it. And so, you know, you owed him some praise. Like if God brought you out, you know, act like he brought you out. Well, that's what she was doing. God did it. And so um, she said, God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it over and over again. Didn't care what anybody next to her is, you know, thinking. About the 75th time that she said this, the neighbor couldn't take it anymore, and he ran over, he got in her face and said, God didn't buy the groceries. I bought the groceries. <laughs> she looked back at him and said, God did it. God did it. God did it. And he said, no, God did not buy the groceries because God does not exist. I brought the groceries. Here's the receipt. She said, 
God did it, and he made the devil pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. So what I'm trying to say is that some of the stuff that's happening in your life right now that doesn't feel good, somebody should say, actually, actually, actually. yeah, <laughs> on the surface, it looks like this is going to take me out. On the surface, I wish it didn't hurt this bad. On the surface, I wish he didn't break up with me. But you know, maybe the reason he broke up with you is because God knows you need an upgrade, right? <laughs> and you were setting for something less than his best for your life. And Paul said, actually, it's an interesting interpretation, isn't it? Because he said, I'm in chains for Christ, and I know it looks like I'm chained to these guards, but actually, these guards are chained to me. And this chain goes both ways. So I've been preaching in this prison. And don't worry about Paul. Don't circulate a petition to get me out because I'm doing work up in here. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, I wonder, can we say the same thing about the situation that we're in today? That you feel stuck in? Or are you so busy praying for God to get you out? God, I need a new job. God, I need a new husband. Are you, so, are you so busy asking God to get you out that you miss the fact that God is trying to get in? Into your pain. Into your singleness. Into your loneliness. Are you going to keep hopping around to you know, a, a different place every uh, two or three years, just kind of switching up the scenery as you move from one dysfunctional relationship to another without ever asking God, God, what do you want to do in and through me? Because, because Paul has reached the point in his life, he's got his priorities straight. And he's saying, I am put here. Verse 16, I am put here. I'm put here, not by Caesar, not, not by the people who threw me in prison for preaching. I'm put here. And basically what he's saying is, I am not a hostage. Can you say it out loud with me? I am not a hostage. Right on. I'm not a hostage to how I feel. I'm not, how, I'm not a hostage to what I want. I'm not a hostage to what I need to understand to trust God because I don't have to understand to trust God. Amen. In fact, if, if I can understand, then it, then it doesn't take faith. But I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. And I might have been thrown in here by people. But this one thing that you learn about God, even if people meant it for evil, God can use it for good. So I'm not a hostage. I'm not a hostage to what people think about me. I'm not a hostage to popularity or likes on a social media post. I'm not a hostage to needing to be liked. You know how you can tell Paul has reached that point that he's no longer a hostage when you, when you look at these scriptures here? It be, it's because of what he says, and this might, this might turn into a favorite Bible verse for you. I know everybody's got their favorite Bible verse. You've been around, you've been reading and digging in for a while, especially, you know, you, know, you make that a priority in life. But if, if you haven't been in church for very long or haven't had a relationship with him, I want you to know 
that this is the kind of church that welcomes people who haven't been in a church for very long. <laughs> in fact, this kind of church, it was built for people who haven't been in a church very long. Amen? And, and so maybe if you stick around for, for a little while, somebody might say that they have a favorite Bible verse. And they might say John 3.16 or Galatians 2.20. Mine is John 10.10. 10. Um, these, are, these are popular Bible verses. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Um, good verses. But they, 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 get, they get used a lot, right? And so I'm going to give you a Bible verse that uh, uh, I think should be up there on the list. But it's, it's not up there for very many people. Because Paul's like, some people like me, some people like me, some people don't. Some people say this and some people say that. And, and it sounds like Paul, it's almost like uh, Paul has, has Facebook in prison. But, you know, what he said that I want to point out to you, <coughs> excuse me, it's right there in the text and it's a favorite for me right now and I need it in my life. Verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? <laughs> but what does it matter? Do you know how much stress would go away if you would just learn that one Bible verse right there? And that's not even the whole verse. That's just, you know, just that much of the verse would, would, would cause the, the, the stress level to dissolve in your body and you would sleep better. And you would stop worrying about stuff that God has already worked out. You know, how silly is this? The Bible already says that God never sleeps nor he slumbers. Well, if he's going to stay up and be on the night shift, I might as well get some rest. Anybody with me right there? So what does it matter, Paul says? I'm, I'm in prison. What does it matter? You know, they, they had the WWJD bracelets. We need to make a new bracelet called the WDIM. What does it matter? Um, and, uh, and I'm going to look at it all the time. I'm going to show it to people when they're saying things that they shouldn't be. In fact, um, let's, 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 just take, let's just take a prayer break right now. And you can pray with me right now because we need this prayer. All right? Maybe you do too. Say it with me. Father God, help me to stop worrying about stuff. And to stop being so petty. And so easily offended. And to stop checking Instagram instead of reading my Bible. <laughs> now put, put your hand on the person that's sitting next to you. Because they might need this too. Let's pray for each other. Say, God, I pray for him or her that he or she will stop worrying about stuff that doesn't matter in five years or even five months. In Jesus' name, amen. And they wouldn't let people steal their joy trying to, to impress people that didn't die for them and trying to do the stuff to get people's attention, right? And I pray that their eyes would get so fixed on you, Jesus, that even if the wind and the waves keep on raging, right, we have our eyes fixed, that they would stay locked in on what matters, that I would stay locked in on what matters. And you know that your love is greater than, than all shame, than all sin. And if, if, if they belong to you, if I belong to you, nothing is impossible, and I am not a hostage. I'm not a hostage. Amen? Okay. So Paul, he takes it a step further, and he says, not only am I not a hostage to what I feel, not only am I not a hostage to what I expected, because some of us cannot receive what God is doing in our lives, but because we're too married to our expectations sometimes of what we thought God was going to do, but Paul said, I am not a hostage to my, uh, I'm not a hostage, uh, where am I, 
to my expectations. I'm not a hostage to my plans because I'm committed to God's purposes. Somebody say it out loud with me again. I'm not a hostage. I'm not a hostage. I am not a hostage. I'm not a hostage. I'm a weapon. Well, you can just keep on preaching the whole message with me if you want. <laughs> I'm a weapon formed in the hands of God and aimed at the darkness and created to do works in Christ Jesus. I, I kind of feel like preaching this morning. <laughs> this is his interpretation of, of his situation. He says, what does it matter? What does it matter? I need you to find the, that radio station this week, WDIM. What does it matter? <laughs> Maybe you've been listening to the wrong station. That's, that's why you've, you've been having all this anxiety and why you keep on replaying stuff that's happened and living in regret and bitterness and replaying things that people said to maybe offend you. Paul said, what does it matter? And then he says, the important thing is, now, now listen, because whatever you put next after that phrase, that's, that's what your joy is connected to. And Paul said, for me, the important thing is that Christ is preached. The important thing is, and I, and I wonder if we, if we really, you know, even figured out what that is yet in our life. We spent, we spent a whole uh, month talking about our passions and purpose. And I spent a whole other week um, up at camp with our teens kind of leaning into that as well. Because whatever comes next, if it's money for you, then your joy is connected to your money. And the money level is up, the joy level is up, the money level's down. Mm. Right? Paul said the important thing is the purpose of God is going forward. So even if I'm in this prison, I don't feel sorry for myself because God is using this too. The pain that we would so quickly pray away, the dysfunctions about ourselves that we don't like and we think we could be so much more effective if God would just change them. That one little thing about you that you think prohibits you from being greatly used by the kingdom of God, but it's in your weakness that his strength is perfected, right? So if the situation doesn't change, then our prayers need to change to God change me and use me, pour me out, right? I don't want to be stagnant. And, I, and, and, and I'm in these chains right now, Paul is saying, but if, if God can use these chains of my situation to change somebody else's life, then God use the chains. God, if you don't remove the chains, then use them. Use this season of my life right now however you want to use it, because that's what matters to me. And so I want to get back to the place in my life where I interpret my in, uh, situation through the lens of God's love and his purpose for my life. Uh, but then I want to show you one more thing. There's this shift that happens because Paul, right here in this letter, he's saying, I'm not out of prison yet, but I'm already free. You catch that? He says, I'm not out of prison, but I'm already free. My situation hasn't changed yet, but my spirit is free. My feet are chained, but my mind is free. And then he makes a shift and he goes from this, this interpretation, which is this first dynamic of faith, to anticipation. And it's weird because he doesn't know what's going to happen next. I mean, you hear him, he's like, I might live, I might die, I might go see Jesus, I might stay stuck here with you. Either way, I'm good. Either way, you know, I am not a hostage. 
God's going to use me here. God's going to use me there. If he leaves me, then he has something for me to do here. If he takes me, then we're done here. I'm good either way. But watch this, and I want you to help me with this. Because if we count the number of times in the next 10 verses that Paul says will, there's, a, there's an expectation that's coming here. So if we count these out loud together, let's see what we get. Um, he says in verse 18, yes, and I, why don't you say will with me every time the wills come, okay? Yes, and I will. That's one. Continue to rejoice because I know that the lavish supply of the Spirit of Jesus, the anointed one and your intercession for me, will bring about my deliverance. No matter what, I will continue to hope and passionately cling to Christ so that he will be openly revealed through me before everyone's eyes so I will not be ashamed in my life or in my death. Christ will be magnified in me. My, my true life is the anointed one and dying means gaining more of him. Skipping down, down to verse uh, 25 now. Deep in my heart, I'm confident that I will be spared so that I can add to your joy and further strengthen and mature your faith. When I am free to come to you, my deliverance will give you a reason to boast even more in Jesus Christ. Oh no, it's not about me. It's not always about me moving up. It's not always about my progress or my feelings or my preferences or my convenience or my plans. Verse 28, and this says, and then you will... Never be shaken or intimidated by the opposition that rises up against us, for your courage will only prove as a sure sign from God. Ten verses, ten times. And he can't quite get it across because he doesn't have the, the, the kind of faith that is dependent on an outcome. But he's trying to, he's trying to, to share that some of us have the, the, a faith that is held hostage to the outcome. And if we see our progress and we sense our progress, then we press in and press on. But Paul said, I'm not a hostage to the outcome. I trust God in the process. It's like, you know, he can't quite figure out how to get this idea across because it's so foreign. Because, you know, we usually, we, we, we tend to, to walk by sight what we see, what we feel, what we know. And when we don't feel progress, we go, well, I'm going to skip church. Or, you know, when we don't feel progress, we skip the gym, right? Um, when we don't feel progress, maybe we stop praying. Or when the healing doesn't come, we somehow lose our sense and the confidence and the goodness of God. But Paul, he does something that you can only do when you're the Apostle Paul. And he makes up a word here. It's only used two, two times in Scripture. He just makes it up. It's in verse 20. In, 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 in English, it takes a few words to get the idea across. And he says, I hope and I passionately cling. In Greek, it's all one word. And it's used, but only one other time in the Bible. And Paul's the one who used it there. Like he's, he's sitting there in that prison. He's thinking, I know God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. He's going to get me out. Now, I don't know if he's going to do that or, you know, or not. But I, I know that even if he doesn't, that he's good. So I'm just going to put my faith in him regardless. So I'm here, but I'm not really confined to this situation because, because God is greater than my situation. He's greater than the situation I am, and my hope is not in my situation. So it says, I eagerly expect and hope. And he makes up the word. And the word in Greek is apokardakia. Say it with me. Apokardakia. That was wonderful. Good job. 
It's three words. The prefix, apo. Everybody say apo. It means to turn away, ignoring other interests or to turn. So I could preach a series on apo because sometimes we just need to turn away, ignoring the stuff that seems important that really isn't important and fixing our eyes that something will actually matter and actually last. I'm serious. This is, this is not a season for you to be comparing yourselves um, to others because you're not seeing their real life anyway when, you, when you're looking on Instagram, right? You're seeing the filtered life. So you're seeing images in the life on Instagram and when you compare your behind, their, your behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel, no wonder, you know, you have the feelings that you do, right? But your life doesn't stink. You just need to stop scrolling for a minute and focus on something higher than what we're all doing. And apo, that's the prefix. Again, it means to stop and turn away, ignoring other interests. Kara, everybody say Kara. Kara means head, and that's all it means. Dakia, you're going to love this. It says to stretch forward. So I'm turning my head, I'm turning away, I'm ignoring other interests. I could focus on, you know, what they're saying about me. I could focus on, you know, when my trial is going to be. I could focus on how unfair it was. You know, did you hear what they said about me? Did you hear what they did to me? You know, I wouldn't be in this situation if it wasn't for this dumb financial thing that happened. I told them not to buy that boat. I'm turning away from that and I'm stretching my head forward. Apocardakia. You need a little apocardakia in your life. You need to break out a can of apocardakia. <laughs> the next time the enemy starts reminding you of your past, point him to the righteousness of God that is in Jesus Christ. But, you know, some of us have our heads so far up the past that we're missing God's best for us. Come on, somebody. I will not stay stuck in this cell. I'm stretching my head forward. I'm full of faith, and I know that God will because he already has. He brought me this far, so why would he leave me now? What does it matter? What does it matter in my situation? The important thing is that all things work together. Come on, for good. Amen. <laughs> so if I take these chains, if it takes these chains to change me or to change somebody, then bring it on. I'm not a hostage to my situation. I am a weapon in the hands of God. Amen. I want to take a moment and pray. Would you stand with me? Bow your head and close your eyes. Because it may be that this message has gone out and it was like God was speaking to you maybe specifically about a situation. And maybe, maybe you've been asking him to change the situation. And he's been trying to use the situation to change you. So maybe this is a moment for, for us to surrender and maybe God will change it because he does that. He, sometimes he does. But if in this moment you're ready to surrender and just say this, would you just pray this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak out some words and you put the heart to it. How's that? God, I'm tired of looking at what used to be and wishing that it could be one way or the other, worrying about things that I can't control. God, would you enter into this moment and would you give me peace that passes all understanding? 
apokardakia kind of faith that can look forward to the future without anxiety and without crippling fear. If that's your prayer today, would you just kind of raise your hands right now? pray together in agreement. Father, for all those that are here, they're lifting up their hands. I just pray. Lord, we say we need that kind of faith. I need my priorities straight again. I've been looking to the right and looking to the left. I haven't been fixing my eyes straight ahead. You're bigger than I thought. You're sovereign. God, you created this planet that's going 67,000 miles per hour around the sun right now on a 584 million mile journey. You're sovereign. And God, yet you created us and we're amazingly small. But you know us by name. You know the hairs on our head. And I pray that in this moment you would come into whatever prison that we find ourselves locked in, whatever cell, whatever situation, whatever limitation, whatever it is that you they've been asking you to remove that I've been asking you to remove and use it for your glory use it for your purposes it may be that God brought us here to to begin a relationship with Christ today and so right now I just want to pray a prayer if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus you're in the right place this morning it's not a mistake that you're here we want to invite you into a relationship with him don't want to embarrass anybody but we do want to offer Jesus a relationship to you that is faithful forever and to the end. He has a passion and a purpose for you that is bigger than you can imagine because he's a God that's bigger than you can imagine. So if that's you today, would you pray to me? Everybody repeat after me. Father God, I give you my life. I surrender it all to you, all that I am is yours thank you for coming to this planet dying on a cross for my sins and my freedom my salvation thank you for coming to my rescue my life is yours I surrender it this morning in your mighty name I pray amen and amen if you prayed that prayer for the first time would you just raise your hand up we want to celebrate with you this morning is there anybody here this morning praise god come on church let's celebrate thank you jesus god we thank you that no matter our circumstance we are not a hostage lord that you are our rescue and that we can have an apocondria whatever that word is kind of faith <laughs> Give it to us, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.